All right, if you guys have your Bible, you can open it up to Ecclesiastes chapter 2. We're in verses 12 through 23. But as we begin, will you pray this prayer with me? And then I'll read the scripture and then we'll get into it. Lord, give us life as we seek you and your kingdom with a whole heart, as we attempt to fear you and keep your commandments. Let our life be found in Christ, led by the Holy Spirit as we walk in the arena of God's great mystery. Ecclesiastes 2, 12-23 So I turned to consider wisdom and madness and folly. For what can the man who... What, for what can man do who comes after the king? Only what has already been done. Then I saw that there is more gain in wisdom than in folly, as there is more gain in light than in darkness. The wise person has eyes in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. And yet I perceived that the same event happens to all of them. Then I said in my heart, what happens to the fool will happen to me also. Why then have I been so very wise? And I said in my heart that this is also, this also is vanity. For of the wise as of the fool, there is no enduring remembrance seeing that in the days to come, all will have been long forgotten. How the wise dies just like the fool. So I hated life because what is done under the sun was grievous to me, for all is vanity and a striving after the wind. I hated all my toil in which I toiled under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me. And who knows whether he will be wise or a fool. Yet he will be master of all for which I toiled and used my wisdom under the sun. This, is, this also is vanity. So I turned about and gave my heart up to despair over all the toil of my labors under the sun. Because sometimes a person who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by somebody who did not toil for it. This also is vanity and a great evil. What has man from all the toil and striving of, of heart with which he toils beneath the sun? For all his days are full of sorrow, and his work is a vexation. Even in the night his heart does not rest. This, is also, uh, this also is vanity. All right, so Ecclesiastes is, the, is a book that end, uh, at the end of all things, he has like this thesis that it's all vanity that he's taking all of life and boiling it down to a little bit of wisdom that might give us a little bit of help to live this life that we have there seems to be much about life in this book and particularly in this section but little detail about life like i mean if we think about it like solomon wrote this and he says uh you know, no one remembers who, well, we remember him. Like we look back, but do we know his life? Do we know what it actually looked like? Who he actually was? No, we have some of his writings and some of his things. But as he points out, Lady Wisdom has explored knowledge, madness, and folly for us. And this is done in part so that we don't have to explore all the things that are done, but we can know the outcome of the thing as well. In a way, wisdom has gone before us and lived so that we might avoid the pitfalls that, that can come in our lives. 
One of the pitfalls of mankind is thinking too much of ourselves and our accomplishments. Amen? Like, we think too much about them. Ecclesiastes is a good help, uh, in, good at helping us live with a great deal of humility if we let it. It gets to the heart of the matter quickly and lets us know that all we accomplish, all that we will ever accomplish, all that we gain will be for naught. Death is still our final end. And then uh, whatever we did in this life is out of our hands completely. In this text, it is also Solomon's taking a break from his wisdom seeking and his pleasure seeking to kind of report his findings. It's like notes from the field. He's, he's gone out and he's doing this experiment and then he's bringing it back to us. He's considered it all sparing no expense, leaving no stone unturned, taking all the benefits of being a king and using them in his research experiments into uh, folly and pleasure and wisdom and all these things. And when he asked for what can the man do who comes after the king, he is asking, who's going to be able to do all that I have? Like, I have all this money, I have all this wealth, I have all these resources. Like, no one's going to be able to do everything that I did. And so Solomon went all out in his searching and so that, again, so that we might not have to. And then he says at the end, it's all vanity. It's all meaningless. And even if it is all meaningless, he does say in there, this is, this is one of my favorite verses, but it says it's better to walk with wisdom than foolishness. We can say amen to that, right? Just as it is better to walk in light rather than in darkness, it is better to uh, it is better than uh, to live with uh, the sorrow that wisdom brings than the unknowing heart of a fool, which is kind of uh, a, a interesting thing to think about. We both will die, both the fool and the wise, but a wise life has benefits in the walking out of wisdom, and at least there are benefits in this life for the wise, and there are benefits for the fool as well, even if they're not as many. Wisdom will allow us, if we heed the wisdom of this book, it will allow us to live within our limitations. To know that wisdom says we can seek it all out, not gain anything, and so that we can live within our, um, uh, we can live within our limitations. And this book, again, this wisdom, if we let it, it will help put a check on our ambitions, both positive and reckless ambition. And it'll put a check on our desires for overindulgence and our, our overconsumption as well. And I love that having wisdom in this life is like walking with the lights on, is what this says. I love it because uh, you can see the room the way it's laid out. You can avoid uh, the furniture or walking into furniture. Every morning, like I, I go downstairs and I go out downstairs with the lights off and I, um, and I don't want to trip on anything. So it's one of those things where I don't turn on the light, though, because I don't know who it's going to wake up. And so I get down there, and I'm just glad that I made it down the stairs without tripping and falling, right? The other week, Hadassah left something by the stairs. I avoided it in the dark, but I saw it when I came back up. I was like, what the heck? Good thing I missed that, because I would have tumbled right down the stairs, and it would have been a bad thing. But I love that we can, <clears throat> when we turn on the lights, we can see... Every, we can see, not everything, but we can see almost everything. You can, uh, you can avoid walking in the furniture, but you also know where the messes are. You also know the work that you have to do when you get done with it. 
Though, even though we all die, as we walk in wisdoms, Proverbs says that Lady Wisdom will also deliver us from death. And that is uh, not death, the finality of it, but some types of death, or maybe even early death. It'll help us live a fuller life if we gain wisdom. And we know that we are not in charge of how many days that we have. There have been wise people who have died early and wise people who have lived a long, ripe old age. But we live for the one who is, uh, we live for Jesus as we attempt to follow him in all that he has for us. In walking with the lights on, we can partake in the good and avoid the bad, right? That's the hope, that we all toil, we all strive, we all die, our reputations will not live forever, so we don't have to lift them up and focus on them. I think about it this way. If we focus on our legacy and what we will leave here on earth, we might miss out of what God is doing in the here and now and that what God wants us to do. I'm not saying that we don't think about the future. We do, but we don't necessarily have to plan on it at the expense of living in the day to day. We might miss out on living by worrying about the future. God is moving us He's shaping our lives, and we get to discern where God is leading us in different times and at different places and in different seasons of our life so that we may leave a legacy, if anything, of walking with Jesus, just step by step. A fool may take over our work, our project, what we have, you know, our money, our uh, task in life, but since that may happen, we walk with Jesus in light of his glory and his grace, and that that gives us all the wisdom we need. We're not in charge of what we need to do. Again, we are reminded of our limitations in this. One of the questions of this section uh, makes, me, makes me ask, because I find this section a little bit depressing, to be honest, and I'm okay with that. I grew up in Seattle. I love grunge music, so it's like, it's there. But since we all die, how do we live then? Since I mean, wisdom and foolishness, we all end up the same. Then how do we live for Jesus? And I would suggest that we walk as Jesus did. Even though this isn't always easy to figure out, that we need some discernment in this, we get to strive to live for Jesus and like Jesus every day of our lives as we try and figure it out. And I, I love that the commentator, uh, that one commentator that I really enjoy, her name is Julianne Duncan. She says, she reminds us, but Koheleth, Koheleth is Solomon, it's the name for the person who wrote this book, the preacher, right? But Koheleth says that to do good works for the sake of future remembrance is vain. I find that very interesting because as we, as a congregation, we like to do good works. We like to be about good works, but even that there's a sense of vanity. And this is true because the truth is, is that we're not doing good works so that we have a future remembrance. We're doing good works because the work is uh, not our legacy, but it allows us to participate in the good works that God has for mankind here and now. This is why we do this. Not because we need to be remembered, but because God has allowed us to participate with his work here on earth, and we get to be about that good works. Ephesians uh, 2, 4 through 10 tells us about this life, it tells us about our good works. And so if our work is all toil, this is what the Apostle Paul has to say about our toil and our, and our good works at once 
Christ is in our lives. He says, but being rich in mercy because of the great love which, which Jesus gave us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, God made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raising us up with him and seated, with, uh, seated us with him in the heavenly places in Jesus Christ so that the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not a thing of your own doing. It is a gift from God, not a result of works, so that no one will boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared for beforehand, so that we may walk in them. And I love this because we are made alive in Christ. And even though our toil and gaining our own reputation, there's not there, that's all vanity. If we're being made alive in Christ and living for Him, it's a life worth living. All because of His great love for us. The works that we have and get to take part in are a grace. They're, they're free, unmerited. We don't deserve to be doing the works that God has laid before us, even though we get to do them. But it's his favor that we get to participate with the works of God. And when we toil for God, our life will have rewards that won't end on earth. They will be given in heaven. And we will not have a life lived in vanity there will be a grasping of our treasure that we get to lay down at Jesus' feet, not just the fog here on earth that we have our own, uh, chasing our own gain. So we do the works that Jesus has laid out for us. And, and, and we do this because they're Jesus' works and we can't boast in ourselves like what we did. Look at all, we can't say, look at all this great stuff that I had. And this passage in Ecclesiastes is a reminder that we are not self-made. We are not self-made. If we are attempting to be uh, about that and trying to be self-made, that is foolish. As Christians, our works are not our own. And in wisdom, we have died to self. And our life is now hidden in Christ. We don't boast in us. We live for Jesus this is where a non-vanity filled life is found in Christ. This life that Solomon talks about sounds pointless. It really is. It, it depresses me. It's meaningless is the word that he uses over and over and over again. And yet Jesus offers us life, not only in the future. It's not just a future life, but he offers us life in the here and now. A life that we live uh, with him and for him and a life that is lasting and has eternal implications the life that we get with Jesus in the here and now and eternal, we get to live in the light of the legacy that Jesus leaves us. And this is a beautiful thing. Because even as our prayer, we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And as we strive to keep God's commandments and be led by the Holy Spirit, in a way we get to learn from the wisdom of Solomon and yet live by the greater wisdom of Jesus. We too are foolish as we all can be from time to time, right? But think about this. We gain from the toil of Jesus. We gain from his labors in life. Jesus strove to live a perfectly righteous life and he accomplished that because he knew that all our toiling for self-righteousness would be vanity. It'd be worthless. 
something that cannot be grasped. We can never make ourselves righteous. That's why Jesus lived for us and why he died for us and why he rose again. And Jesus lived in spotless holiness because he knew our attempts would come up short. He knew that there would be, there would be stains of sin on us and, and in our lives. And Jesus lived in, protect, in perfection because of our inability to find perfection in anything but him. Jesus is better than wisdom because it, he supersedes it. And in a few moments, we're going to sing, I've got a river of life flowing out of me. And I love this. This song is kind of like the song that I've adopted for Ecclesiastes. I love it. Plus, uh, my kids love it. So um, and we're going to sing, I got a river of life flowing out of me. And this song is about Jesus. Just as I love the metaphor of walking in the light, I love the metaphor of the river of life. We, uh, as we are going to talk about Jesus and his wisdom for our life, then we are in the river of his life. We are immersed in Jesus. We are surrounded by Jesus. We are moved by Jesus. His grace and his love are more powerful, is a more powerful force than any current. And yet, if you've ever walked in a river, even a small current can sweep us off our feet. And in this, we get to be reminded of our baptism, that we are buried in Christ. That as we were buried, he surrounds us and our life becomes his. And now, as we're risen just as Christ was risen out of the water, we now live for Jesus in all that we say and do. Will we fail? Yes, we will. But we keep striving after Jesus. We keep trying to follow God and His grace that is given to us in Christ will help us as we seek to follow Him. And here we are about to take communion. And this is where we remember the broken body and shed blood of Jesus. We are reminded of his life, his death, and his resurrection. So my prayer for us this week is that even in this, the, this despairing text, but let us live for Christ. Let us, in a sense, not, not in a sense, but die so that our lives may be hidden in him. Because scriptures never call Jesus' life meaningless or a vapor. So his life wasn't meaningless or a vapor. It is real life, not a shadow. Let us not strive after vanity, but strive after Jesus in whom all our life is found. And there is no vanity found in Jesus. So let us die to self and live for him. Jesus, will you please help us do this? Help us live for you. In Jesus' name, amen.